Hello, and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm James. And I'm Callum. And this is the only podcast where I don't want to go. So I'll come back on the 50th anniversary. And the 60th. And likely every anniversary until the end of time. Which is the name of this episode. I didn't realise you were going to do an accent. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. And on today's episode, we are a heartbeat or two, if you're a Time Lord, away from the end of the 10th Doctor in the End of Time Parts 1 and 2. Now, as always, just a quick reminder that you can, of course, find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, the number two. And you can email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two, to have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show. And right now would be the perfect time to share your thoughts and feelings on the show because a ton of news came out since we last recorded and we didn't talk about it once. Basically, we had a backlog of recorded episodes and we felt really good about getting to take a little bit of a break from uh, the process of making a podcast. And then the busiest three weeks of Doctor Who news in what five years happened. Um, And uh, yeah, so here we are. We have a lot to get through today because on top of all of that, this is also the end of RTD's era. Can you believe it, James? Well, first era. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to keep coming up in our discussion today is just like how much uh we 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 were unsure about our feelings about this episode before um but you know we, we, it was always with the caveat that it was ending you know this was an era that had an end an end point and now with the we've seen the filming coming out of the 60th anniversary uh it's sort of like okay well we're going to get a sequel to the very story we're talking about now today in the not too distant future mm. and that's an odd feeling it's very odd and it has sort of like you know pretty fundamentally changed i think how we're approaching this because you know we i don't think we've been shy about having pretty strong feelings about you know rtd's first run on the show but now that it's no longer a closed off wound um (laughs) it it kind of changes things a little bit um there's a lot of things that he could go on to to address and to change and I think, you know, we'd both be lying if we said that we weren't, like, a little bit kind of giddy about the idea of him returning as showrunner because, I mean, obviously we would very much like to see the end of Chibnall's era. That's that's no secret between us and, and you folks at home. But on top of that, having the idea of a, you know, a queer, like, hyper-political showrunner who's gone away from the show and learnt so much and is now coming back and what that could mean for where he left these specific characters that, you know, Callum and I have struggled with a little bit is, I mean, it's just fucking exciting. It is exciting. And I, I would hazard a, uh, <laughs> a guess as to say that this new era is actually going to do all those things. It's, it is going to, that's, yeah. you heard it here first, folks. It's going to do the retribution of Donna Noble. It's going to bring back Rose from the parallel universe and kill off that stupid human doctor. It's going to get rid of Mickey. <laughs> um, Captain Jack no longer exists and Martha's going to be redeemed. It's just going to do all the things that we wanted it to do in the first place. <laughs> We're entering into our optimism era here on two hearts <laughs> between, between RTD returning as a, a grown writer and about to start the Moffat era. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're feeling good. And on top of all of that, the casting of the next doctor. Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> we didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> I think we did one when I shared a post once. 
We might have shared a post. Um, I we had a really sweet way of finding oh, out. Yeah. Um, we were basically we just sit da- sat down in the movie theater to watch um, everything everywhere all at once, wasn't it? No, we went to see Multiverse of Madness. That's what it was. Okay. Well, look, Multiverse of Madness, whatever. It was entertaining. Whatever. (laughs) But we were sitting there and, you know, we were kind of like on our phones, just shooting the shit, killing time as the trailers were playing and whatnot. And then, you know, Callum like turns to me with like literal jaw on the floor, eyes wide, grabs her arm. He's like, oh my God. And he showed me his phone and I had to pull it up because like both of us, I think we're in quite um, just like this total wave of disbelief came over us because um, Shooty Gut was casting as the next Doctor is fucking phenomenal. Like we're both so thrilled. It's, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, we were in the cinema and uh, my friend Matt uh, sent it to my little Doctor Who chat Um <laughs> and I was like, and, you know, I was sort of like, oh, well, this is probably just spam because it, of course they haven't announced it yet. And I opened it up and like, it was the, like, well, say what you will about the announcement. It was very, very low key. And I think that is the mm-hmm. best, A, it's, it's, it's been the best method because obviously we're in the middle of another era <clears throat> and I have no thoughts or feelings about like, you know, how you do publicity prior to one time Lord leaving. No, but no thoughts or feelings at all. <laughs> well, none that I want to get into on the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing was that like, it was, it just, it just blew up. It just went everywhere. Mm. And like, that's the first time in a very long time that Dr. Who News has generated that kind of, uh, mm-hmm. attention yeah and then it there was a wave you know because after that there was an announcement a week later that Catherine tate and david Tennant are coming back and then after that an announcement about um yasmin finney playing a new character called rose um and there was a filming <laughs> it, it just all it it fell it happened it's just all happened <laughs> Yeah, it, it it kind of revitalized the discussion around the show, I feel like. Um, so, you know, uh, Shooty Gut was casting is, um, I mean, it, it's historic for a couple of reasons. You know, like you, you've got a black man as the Doctor now. You've got a very openly queer actor now playing the Doctor. And I think he said in one of the interviews, like, of course, the Doctor's going to be a bit, a little bit, you know, sassy because I'm a little bit sassy. And the, the idea that he's going to be given the freedom to imbue the Doctor with an innate queerness is such a radical concept and especially for a show like ours where like you know two queer dudes who love talking about Doctor Who and desperately want it to be queerer um it, it's just very exciting news and um if you're not familiar with um Shudy's work he is I guess best known at the moment for his role on Sex Education on uh, Netflix which is he's phenomenal in it it's a lovely little show um absolutely go and check that out if you haven't already um but he's also like quite young right he is very very young and the other thing that i will say that about what you've just said before is that when he's talking about like Mm. being openly queer we're not talking about like a queer energy because david Tennant definitely brought you know a bit of that you know homoeroticism to the role um (laughs) but like he's a straight man and he's definitely playing and acting in straight stories on the show and so like you know our (laughs) problems with the current era is that it has not been openly <clears throat> LG it has been op- openly queer and it's it's really yeah. couched a lot of the conversations around queerness in in kind of this shy retiring I don't want to talk about that blah, 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 stuff mm. if it's out and loud and proud and 
not only unapologetic, but also undeniable. That was the best mm-hmm. outcome as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it should also be said that, you know, there, there is like a flip side to this that I saw some people talk about. And I think it's, it's a very valid like concern to have. But, you know, we are going from Jodie Whittaker, who's a woman, back to like another man playing the doctor. Um, and, you know, I don't think it in any way diminishes like the, the, the radical fucking awesomeness of having a black man in that no. role to then also be like, hey, it, it kind of sucks that we might not get another a woman as the doctor for X amount of years now. Um, because for all of our gripes with, with Jodie's era on the show, um, none of them are, well, majority of them aren't with her performance or, or with her as, as an actress. And it's 100% not with the idea of a woman in that no. role. And the idea that any sort of reaction to the negative reaction that this era has gotten instead lands on the shoulders of a woman in the role, as opposed to the straight white dude that has written the show into the ground is infuriating. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I don't think anyone blames Jodie Whittaker for the failings of the past five years. Um, no. No. And and also don't think of Shooty as like a step back in any way. Um, no. It's it's another step in a different but still progressive direction. Mm-hmm. And, you Agreed. know. A, a completely necessary step as well. Totally. Um, I'm really excited. We haven't felt this excited about Doctor Who. We haven't heard this much about Doctor Who in a while. Um, mm. It's all... And- I had so many people... Sorry, just a, like a little tangent, but like... A bunch of people that I follow on Twitter are in, like, you know, um, journalism spheres or or games writing spheres and whatnot. And even they were actively talking about Doctor Mm. Who because of this casting announcement. It is, it's such a huge shift in the perception of the show. I've seen a lot of younger fans be like, hey, this feels like they are directly reaching out and saying to us as a younger generation, here is a really progressive and young Doctor for you to enjoy. Um, And I love that idea that they feel sort of seen or or connected to the show in any sort of way because of that. Um, And and it's funny you know, and we've talked a little bit oh, no sorry, I was just going to say it's funny because that's what they were trying to do I feel like with the reboot with Jodie Whittaker is appeal to a younger yes. demographic and it failed because you know Chris Chibnall is not he's not <laughs> he's not a progressive writer no. um, but it, all of this goodwill and publicity does bode well for her final episode which is due to come I think in October um, um, do you, do you think it does? I do think it does. I think people are going to be interested in the show enough to watch it. Yeah, it, <laughs> really complicated feelings when it comes to um to Jodie's era. Unfortunately, it's uh mm, complicated. Anywho, uh, we have a lot more Doctor Who news to talk about because hot on the heels of this like incredible casting. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is going to be a real stream of consciousness recording, folks. So fucking strap in. Um. I wanted to say in the announcement when um, Shooty and Russell did a little interview together on the BBC and they're talking to the, the you know, the dude holding the, the microphone and everything. And I don't remember what the question was to Russell. I don't really remember what the context was, but he rounded out his answer by being like, you know, it's really good to see this kind of programming on the, a network like the BBC, which of course they're trying to defund. And he went on this like aggressively <clears throat> political statement. And I was like, Fucking let's go. This is the man I want to see right, Doctor Who. And I just thought that was really exciting. So I think from memory, he was talking about his last two shows, which was Years and Years and It's a Sin. Mm. And the fact that they were made on Channel 4, which is a partly government funded station that has now had its government funding taken away. Purely because, and obviously we don't live in Britain, so we can't even (laughs) begin to understand. Like we don't get the day to day (laughs) updates on these things. Uh, Just, you know, from being out and about. 
But I think that um, the argument from the government was like that the channel will have more freedom if they're not bound by government like restrictions. Oh, so if it's privatized. Basically, which is bullshit. Because <laughs> like <laughs> the idea that they like are like, please stop giving us money because we want to, <laughs> uh, you know, find money elsewhere. It's, it's laughable. Like, I don't yeah. know. That's my personal take on it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Russell went on a big diatribe. Diatribe has negative connotations, but he went on. He had a big um, rant on television about um, <clears throat> the fact that those two shows were made by a channel. Critically acclaimed, amazing, like loved shows were made on channels mm-hmm. that are now being defunded by the government. And so, obviously, this all ties into the BBC license fee and the fact that the government are looking to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But you're right. He, he It's, it's yeah. a man with a voice. And he had that voice before, I think we've often forget. He was this yes. vocal, but it was never in the show. Well, not never in the show, but it was... Uh, yeah. It was fi- he was finding his voice. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I don't get it. And it was, you know, what, 10 years ago? Like, mm. it's... A, a lot has changed. 15. Um, it's... 15, yeah, I was going to say that. That actually can't be 10 years. Um, yeah, so... It, it's exciting. We talked about this a bit when we talked about Russell coming back, but, you know, I think you and I have largely enjoyed his his efforts since Doctor Who. Um, and I I, know, I think pairing him up with uh, Shooty is just, yeah, it's just good things are coming, hopefully. Um, on the topic of good things coming back to Doctor Who, Catherine Tate and David Tennant <clears throat> are returning in yet another announcement that I looked at my phone and was like, this can't be real. Well, this one was less surprising, right? Because it was had been... Well, for you, maybe. Sure, but like it had been discussed and sort of speculated for a long while. So like, whereas Shooty's announcement was like, oh my God, because this is not a name that has even been mentioned mm-hmm. in this circle before. Yeah. Catherine Tate and David Tennant, it's like every now and again, there'll be the little rumor, oh, they're coming back. Or there was the rumor <laughs> that David Tennant was going to be the new Doctor, <laughs> actually going to be the new Doctor. Um, mm. Which also makes me think now that we're recording that Shudi's announcement was strategic to make people not think that David Tennant is going to actually be the ongoing Doctor. Uh, yeah, I, I could I could very much see that. Yeah. Um, and I'm gl- if that is the case, I'm glad they did that because like... Yeah, we didn't need any murky water on that one. <laughs> no, we did not. Um, but uh, but yes, so Catherine Tate of uh, the Catherine Tate show fame is coming back. Nan, the movie, <laughs> I think was a big flop. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this will be fun. It will be. And, you know, David Tennant of... Broadchurch fame. Mm, written by Chris Achibnall. <laughs> A certain Chris Chibnall. Um, no, it, look, this is... Um um, you know, Callum and I had sort of a complicated conversation about this because it does bring up complicated feelings as as two people who are pretty vocally against the kind of, you know, nostalgia-baked, like, yeah. always-looking-back storytelling of modern franchises. Um, you know, already bringing RTD back was a kind of like, mm, okay, what are you doing here? And then Shooty's uh, announcement, I think, definitely soothed a lot of that because it was like, oh, okay, we're, we're really going forward here. Um, but the Catherine Tate, David Tennant returning is one of those things where, um, can't deny that like, it's, it's thrilling. There's a little part of my heart that's like giddy about this announcement because it's like, let's see what they can do to kind of, 
you know, quote unquote, fix the ending that I that I think he he gave that character. Um, and then you know, the other half of it is it's like, well, this is just a very easy way to get audiences back in. Mm. Um, but the show might need that. So, do you think Matt Smith and Karen Gillan will come back? Um, well, the uh, now I've I've forgotten her name. Um, she is the she directed Heaven Sent, I believe. Rachel um, Talele. You know I don't know if that's how you pronounce Thank her surname. I doubt it, given it sounds like telly, but that's fine. Um, no, um, she has, I think she's been confirmed as directing the uh, 60th anniversary special. Is mm-hmm. that correct? That's right. Okay. And that's the one that we know David and Catherine are back for. Yep. And she shared a um, her little like director clipboard thing. I don't, I don't know what those fucking things Clap are called. Thank you. A clapperboard. And on there, there was like the other doctor's numbers with like question marks next to them and whatnot. It was, um, it was cute. I wouldn't be surprised, um, if we end up having a lot of people back for this, but the more, cause initially I was like, oh shit, we could get Capaldi and Clara back. I'm thrilled. But the more I think about it, the more I sit with it. And the more I think about Donna specifically coming back with Wilf, by the way, who's also back um, mm. and with uh, David Tennant, I think maybe this needs to be a bit more focused and a bit more personal. Um, and so I, I kind of hope they maybe keep it a little <clears throat> bit more low key, even though I, I can't imagine that's what they're going to do. If you think that it's just one episode, but I suspect that there'll be a series of episodes, mm. each focusing on a different doctor. And I, I really hope that they do do that because I think that the idea of a 60th anniversary focusing on one era and the characters therein is kind of insulting. <laughs> a little bit like when <laughs> Moffat did the 50th and chose to only highlight Tom Baker as if the others were irrelevant. Now, obviously, I don't know these people. They're not my friends. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel <laughs> angry on their behalf. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, right. Okay. But... It, no, look, I no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do a 60th anniversary, it should be about the 60 years of the show, not just it, the fan favorites. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, speculation, speculate away. I didn't realize that, that that's what that clapperboard said. So I'm now going to have to go mm, back and look at that. Yes. And, and yes, I saw people on Twitter freaking out about it. So. Oh, I'm going to join them. Can't wait to freak out. Mm. <laughs> Can't wait to freak out on Twitter. Never done that before. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> we have been talking at length about um, this uh, and we'll continue to talk about it as, you know, more news comes out on our podcast. Uh, 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 um, and just to, I guess, to round out the the Doctor Who news, uh, Yasmin Finney has also been cast in the show, as, as Callum said earlier, as a character named Rose. Um, obviously a... a very cheeky bit of character naming there on the part of RTD. Um, she has been seen filming with um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate and um, the guy who plays Wilf, whose name I don't know. Uh, Bernard Cribbins. Thank you. Bernard Cribbins in a wheelchair now. Um, so to look at him there and to look at David Tennant in these behind the scenes images that have kind of emerged and the idea being that um, Yasmin Finney is playing uh, Donna's daughter, which is could be a misdirect, but, you know, apparently on set she was heard screaming mum as someone else was screaming Donna. So, you know, grain of salt and whatnot. Um, but all of this to me implies that we are doing a post- regeneration story with uh with David Tennant because this is going to be obviously quite into the future for Donna um and you know I, I think I said to Callum like the idea that you know maybe once Jody regenerates she'll regenerate back into David Tennant as like an unfinished business type situation I think could be quite 
dramatically satisfying. Mm. Um, but it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. It will be interesting. And look, um, <clears throat> I think Yasmin Finney, it's, it, look, th- this announcement was probably the vaguest of the three that they made. And for mm. obvious reasons, because obviously the characters, you can't, it's not a fan. It's a new, completely new character. But the character's name is Rose. And it, and because Yasmin Finney is a trans actor, uh, a lot of people got online and started saying some awful things. Um, as if... So- I'm so glad I missed that. <sighs> it was as if uh, the history of Rose Tyler, as played by Billy Piper, was being erased uh, by this casting. It's, it's, it's gross. It's gross. And I don't think anyone seriously believes that they've recast that character. Um, no. No. And so, it, yeah, it, um, because there's not a lot of information around this character, I guess it, the the gaps in which that exist around it uh, mean that more people will speculate and then start taking that thing as gospel where it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, you were going to say something. No, I, I just wanted to quickly note that um, I recently saw Yasmin Finney in Heartstopper um, and I thoroughly enjoyed her performance. Mm. Um, I, I thought she had a lot of heart in that show. Huh? Um, and <laughs> I, a- along with Shudi's casting, it's like I'm, I'm just so thrilled to see young black queer faces in Doctor Who. And it's like, it's it's such an obvious mission statement from the show to be leading with these castings. And obviously you have to lead with the Doctor's casting, but like to put Yasmin Finney out there front and center straight away as well as like, let's fucking go. It's, it's just, it's cool. It is cool. It's cool. Um, and another another indicator that this new era is got its heart in the right place. I personally don't think, and a lot of people have been saying that Yasmin is the new companion. I don't think she is. Mm. I think she's going to be a character in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, equally, I'd be happy to see this character become the companion. I just, if they are true, if it is true that she's playing Rose's, uh, sorry, Donna's daughter, uh, I don't know how I feel about the doctor being like, well, Donna, you can stay here, but your daughter can come with me. <laughs> yeah, that that could be certainly interesting. And then, you know... I hadn't really thought about this until you just brought it up now, but, um, you know, we mentioned before that Shudi is, is quite young. And so then do you need to give him an even younger companion to help sell some of the gravitas of the age of a time Lord or like, can you put the doctor with older, you know, quote unquote companions when they're that young? I think it works when the doctor's paired with someone their own age. I mean, look at, um, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, like they are Mm. of the same age. Karen Gillan's taller than him, which I love. Um, yes. uh, you know, I think, I think that that, that generally works. And also, um, David Tennant being younger than Catherine Tate, you know, mm, true. uh, yeah. you know, the age different, I think ultimately like it's obviously down to the chemistry, it's down to the casting and the story you're telling. Um, and yeah. if those three things are all working in unison with each other, then there's no problem. There's only freaks on the internet mm-hmm. that think that the companion need to be a <laughs> uh, young and, and white and, you know, a woman. Yeah, true, true. Cal's getting on his soapbox um, tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, aren't we all? Like, we? I think you and I are, are very ready to to ride quite hard for um, this, this new era. Like, uh, you know, yes, we're a very critical podcast. Yes, we're two very critical individuals. But our capacity for optimism and for just like sheer excitement is something that I don't really think we've ever gotten to express on the show before. Um, And um, I am 
genuinely fucking ready. <laughs> like, I I can't wait. I'm just mildly ready. You know, put me in mm-hmm. the car and I'll see where you're driving me. Okay. <laughs> well, beep, beep. I'm beep, a motorist. Beep, ribby, ribby. Um, <laughs> beep, beep, ribby. <laughs> Nuts to you, McGillicuddy. Um, I guess it's time for us to talk about um, the end of time. Part one and two. (laughs) Every night, Doctor, we have bad dreams. But I was told he will knock four times. Because a shadow is falling over creation. Something vast is stirring in the dark. I'm going to die. My name is the master. The darkness heralds only one thing. (laughs) The end of time itself. The End of Time, parts one and two, was written by Russell T. Davies, directed by Euros Lin. And uh, this is just coming to me now, but they were broadcast respectively on Christmas Day 2009 and New Year's Day 2010 which means that David Tennant did actually make his death day on 2010. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, So he was still the doctor for 2010. If you, if you want to play that game Um, plot, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Some people say it adds a whole year to his like run and means. I'll get. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, this is a big plot. So like bear with us here. Um, I'll just go for it. In the last days of humanity, everyone had bad dreams of the master, but only Wilfred Mott remembers them, and as a result is searching for the doctor. A cult resurrects the master in prison, but his ex-wife Lucy Saxon sabotages the ceremony. The master is reborn with great strength, but constant ravenous hunger. Take it, James. On the home planet of the Ood, the Doctor is warned of the Master's resurrection, as well as the imminent end of time. Returning to Earth, he encounters Wilf and explains the prophecy that he will hear four knocks before his death. The Doctor finds the Master in the wastelands outside London. The Doctor learns that the sound of drums the Master hears, previously assumed by the Doctor to be a symptom of the Master's insanity, is actually real and has been implanted externally. The Master is captured by billionaire Joshua Naismith, who has recovered a broken alien immortality gate and wants the master to fix it. Take it, Ashley. (laughs) The Doctor and Wilf go to Naismith's mansion and meet two Vinvochi disguised as humans, who assert the gate is a harmless medical device from their home world that can mend whole planets. The Doctor is too late stopping the master from activating the gate, which he has pre-programmed to replace all of humankind's DNA with his own, making humanity doppelgangers of him. Bummer. The only humans unaffected are Wilfred, <laughs> protected in the gate's control rooms, and the Doctor's former companion and Wilfred's granddaughter, Donna Noble, due to Time Lord biological traits she already has. Donna begins to remember her travels with the Doctor, which the Doctor had made her forget to save her life. Take it, James. Elsewhere, the Lord President of the Time Lords, revealed to be the narrator of the episode, observes the situation and declares to the Time Lords Senate that Gallifrey will return. The Doctor and Wilford become fugitives from the Master and escape to the Vimvochi spaceship. (laughs) Donna is saved by a fail-safe implemented by the Doctor, which stuns her and several doppelgangers via a release of energy, causing her to forget the Doctor once again. Meanwhile, the Lord President, following a prophecy about the future of the Time Lords after the Time War, implants 
implants the sound of drums into the master's head as a child. In the present, the billions of masters amplify that signal. The Lord President orders a Gallifreyan diamond to be launched to Earth for the master to use to create a strong link that will allow the Time Lords to bring Gallifrey out of the time lock that they were stuck in and move it in close orbit to Earth. The Doctor jumps from the Vimbocci ship into Naismith's mansion, armed with only Wilfred's guns, uh, gun, as the Lord President appears with a small ensemble of Time Lords and reverts the human race to its original form. Take it, Cal. The Doctor tells the Master that Gallifrey cannot be allowed to return due to the horrors of the Time War, its corrupting effect on the Time Lords and the Lord President's plan to end time itself and ascend to a state of pure consciousness, but the Master is unmoved. The Doctor finds himself torn between shooting the Master or the Lord President to sever the link and return Gallifrey to the Time Lock. Among the Lord President's ensemble, the Doctor spots a woman in white that Wilfred has been seeing. The, not seeing romantically, but like he's she's been appearing to him in throughout the episodes. The Doctor then fires the gun at the diamond itself, destroying the link. As Gallifrey is pulled back, Rassilon attempts to kill the Doctor, but the Master intervenes, saving the Doctor and seeing his act as revenge for what the Time Lords had done to him. Soon after, the Master, the Time Lords, and Gallifrey have disappeared. Take it, James. The Doctor considers himself victorious until he hears four knocks. He sees Wilf trapped in one of the gate's isolated control rooms that is about to be flooded by a lethal dose, 500,000 rads, of radiation. The Doctor gives up his life to free Wilfred by absorbing the radiation, meaning he will soon regenerate. After dropping Wilf back home, the Doctor visits past companions and acquaintances. He then regenerates in the TARDIS into the 11th Doctor, causing an explosion that destroys the control room. Subsequently, the wrecked TARDIS begins to plummet back to Earth. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now, you can consider those past few minutes a bit of performance art of commentary on the convoluted nature of this finale, if you'd like. I could not bring myself to actually try to write an original synopsis. So this is just purely edited from Wikipedia because there's just stuff. It is just stuff in this episode. And I'm not saying that as criticism. Just as a, a, I am. You, you, you are. I, I guess I am too. But I, uh, well, as a way of sort of saying, what's your feeling about this episode, James and Callum? I would say that generally speaking, I'm a little bit more um, sympathetic to this episode, uh, and you know, it's all of the same things that we would criticize Russell T Davies uh, finales for is here. Um, you know, it's overblown. There's a lot of nonsensical plot devices. There's not a lot of, you know, really good sort of character stuff. It's it's a lot of sci-fi guff. Um, but, you know, sometimes you earn that. And maybe this is, you know, this is his reward. <laughs> mm. Mm. You obviously do not agree. <laughs> I have gone through a journey with this, this two-parter. Okay, um okay. I no, like I, I guess I just find it like academically fascinating. Um, uh-huh. Like I, as a piece of writing from a a creator who, and we'll get into this, but who didn't want to write this, I can feel it. Yeah, like I, I, it is straining against the weight of itself. Um, and in that regard, I think it's deeply fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that, um, you know, like um, Stolen Earth, Journey's End 2 Potter was just mind-numbingly boring spectacle. This is the opposite end of, of the spectacle spectrum, if, if you will, where it's sure. like, yes, we're still going big, but it's this messy, 
weird big um, that I think makes for a much better finale um, than it probably has any right to be given everything that's going on with it. Um, there are times when I don't enjoy myself. There are times when I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. Um, it, it's just a lot. It's a lot of Doctor mm. Who. It is, but like, <clears throat> this is the end of the most popular era of the show. Like, that mm. is quantifiably a fact. And, you know, I think, historically speaking, you know, popular pieces of media have never ended well. Look at Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Game of Thrones. Look at Game of Thrones. Exactly. These are... Star Wars. Oh, well, that's a story that keeps on going. <laughs> so, I don't think you could ever say there's no, an unfortunately. ending to that. Um, yeah. So. No, no, no. You, you are well within your rights to talk about that show. I know that you have your problems and... Your history. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My history. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, it, 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 you, you make a very pertinent point, which is like, and it, it, we should say it up front, is that like, this is not the story that Russell T Davies wanted to tell to end his era on the show and the David Tennant sort of time. Um, the original conception for this story, which I think is pretty well known in most fan sort of circles and whatnot um is that this was supposed to be a very low-key episode just one episode that was the doctor encountering an alien family in stranded in space on a spaceship he would try to fix their ship and in so doing kill have to he, he would get the same sort of thing that happens at the end of the episode with the two uh cabinets and the radiation that same sort of device plays into the end and you know the doctor essentially sacrifices himself to to help out a family and it's very it's intentionally low-key and the bbc said no you won't do that (laughs) instead you'll give us two big overblown specials that you know if nothing else speak to and summarize what this whole era has been which is one of excess which is one of spectacle Um, and, and, you know, for, for better or worse, uh, you know, um, pure entertainment. And Mm -hmm. I think it achieves all those things in some respects. I think it's a very, it's, it's got a weird sort of dark edge to it. I think purely because the doctor Mm. is not surrounded by his friends. Um, instead he's sort of surrounded by, you know, Donna, but she doesn't remember him. Wilf, but he's sad. And they're both quite sad characters in this episode. Um, the master's there it's personal but the master's this like skeletal demon it's it's it is a (laughs) it's a dark episode a couple of episodes when you think about it um Mm. and i don't know what that means i think i i think it might just be reflective of maybe his his mental state Mm. You know, when he was writing it, even if it subconsciously emerges this way. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, and I'm going to forget the creator's name, so I apologize. But um, essentially, like, the the, the big mastermind behind uh, the Evangelion anime. Um, mm. When they initially ended the series, it ended with a couple of movies. And they were profoundly dark texts. Like, very depressing, nihilistic ending to something and it was very divisive um and then they recently remade the the series and the movies into a a set of i think four feature films uh to essentially just retell this story and the ending of that is 
it's the opposite. It, it's profoundly hopeful and beautiful and, and, and perfect. Um, and the creator was like, when I wrote my original ending, I was incredibly depressed. I was under a lot of pressure from fans to give them exactly what they wanted. Mm. I had studio pressure. He was like, it was everything I didn't like about the creative process. And so that manifested in his work. And this time he's in a much better place mentally. He's grown, he's, he's matured. And so the ending sort of reflects that. <clears throat> I think that's a fascinating approach to how to tell a story just separate from Doctor Who, just on its own. That's really interesting. Go, you should go watch those animes if you can. Um, but I do wonder if you get a little bit of that here where you know, characterizing the Time Lords as this kind of like colonizing evil force and the master, like he says, this skeletal monster creature thing. The doctor is depressed and egotistical and out of control a little bit. Like there's just, it's such a nihilistic take on, on this universe. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think ultimately he does kind of swing it back around in the end. But, um, you know, th this isn't, this isn't regeneration as rebirth it's regeneration as death yeah um and and that's that's just a lot um and i think the end result is a, a pair of episodes that are like you said simultaneously a, a monument to the entertainment value mm. of his era but also end up being this fascinating end note of a creator who just didn't want to end it this way um I which, again, makes his return even more exciting when you think about it, but that's the whole other thing. Oh, you know. <laughs> you know, absolutely, and, and I really don't know if we even have time to really go into that on this episode, but you're absolutely right in saying what his RTD's return could possibly signal is like a renewed sense of uh, enthusiasm and, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, a chance to sort of, I, I think it was, as we said at the top of this episode, to sort of redo uh, and revise sort of, maybe perceived mistakes i mean we perceive them as mistakes maybe he doesn't and we'll we won't we mm. don't know that but um i think you're absolutely right to say uh yeah like this is an episode that's sort of more concerned about the death of the doctor than any other uh, sort of final doctor episode has ever been and to some degree i think that what russell t davies is trying to do is sort of tap into that national consciousness that considered David Tennant to mm. be to be the literal embodiment of this character, to be the truest embodiment yeah. of this character, and that David Tennant's departure is akin to a death. <clears throat> and I don't know, I just yeah. I I just think about that and I'm like, you know, maybe it was earned, maybe it wasn't, but I just still don't think it was the right ultimately the right choice um to make. Um yeah, I, I do think it was earned because I I think that you know, as we were just talking about before with the, um, all this new casting announcement news and having David Tennant back has sort of re-sparked this massive cultural conversation. The cultural conversation, <laughs> darling. Um, you know, uh, he was the Doctor. It's like you said, he was the full embodiment of this character and for so many people, and not just, you know, nerdy people. Like, I, I watched this era with my mum and she never gives a shit about this stuff. Like, it, it was everyone's doctor and so to to have him go out and to treat his going out as a death i think culturally makes sense for the time um in the same way that we talked about um uh stolen earth journey's end culturally making sense and then now you come back to it and you're a bit like why is this so pompous um and then you look at this and you kind of get the flip side of that where i culturally understand it and i still think it is largely 
an effective dramatic story for the end of the Doctor. Like, you know, I think these two episodes have a lot of issues, primarily with Donna, and then a little bit more with like the pacing and the plotting and all that sort of, you know, the, the set dressing. But at the core of it, I think you do get a, a pretty emotionally honest Doctor mm. story. Um, it's just, you know, whether it's the one that you would do for the Doctor, uh, mileage obviously is going to vary. I guess what I mean more so is like, does this set up Moffat? Moffat's era with the best of intent. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, I, I can't imagine Russell having a bad bone in his body about handing over the reins, especially given that he wanted out at this mm. point. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily intentionally malicious, no. um, but you, you can very much see it as like, well, the show's dead now that my version of it is gone because look how popular it was. And, you know, like there's a lot of different subconscious things that could have gone into the writing choices here. Um, clearly it didn't impact anything though, because I think Matt Smith's era went on to be like profoundly popular as well. Oh it? yeah, absolutely. But it also, I don't know if it ever quite achieved the sort of heights it did here. It just sort of shifted its audience into different places. So whereas right, right. David Tennant and, and this, these, 2005 sorry 2010 was very popular in britain uh you see in Mm -hmm. matt smith's era it becomes more popular in in america um but not quite mainstream sort Mm. of standards and it becomes more sort of niche in britain as at the same time um got it you sort of get that transatlantic shift and then peter capaldi comes along and and (laughs) unfortunately uh, a lot of the fire Mm. has died off at that point um yeah. But, um, yeah, look, yeah, you, I think you're right. I think you're right. Ultimately, I, I just don't think I, I would make that choice if I were running the show. Um, yeah. We're running yeah. the show. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, I got six more hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, and it is an interesting air of an episode to talk about, ultimately. This is an episode about hmm. death, about rebirth, about... Um, cycles of of trauma in a lot of ways because we do get the return of mm. you know the 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 one sort of thing that has been haunting the doctor for the past five years, which is the the people he killed, the time lords, mm. um, and they're yeah. back and they're evil this time. <laughs> they are just outright evil, mm. <laughs> um, which yeah. yeah. Timothy Dalton as Rassilon, um, I guess is as good a place to start uh, as any. Um, I love his performance here. It, it's, it's very RTD. Mm. Um, it, very, it's, it's camp. It's not, it's not, no, it's camp. not camp. Uh, it, it's over the top, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's big. It's, it's blustering. It's the spittle. I love the mm. spittle. I'm so glad they, they captured that. Um, I, I really enjoy his turn. I like the characterization of Rassilon as, you know, like the, it's an interesting contrast to, um, you know, both him and the Doctor in this story are railing against the idea of death, like just violently rejecting the concept that death could touch them. Um, yeah. And that's a interesting contrast. I don't think it's done anything with, you know, I don't think it really goes anywhere. Um, but it's nice to think about. Um, everything else with the Time Lords is just kind of set dressing. It is, uh, which is a shame because I, I hadn't actually even considered that point until you just said it, which is, you know, um, mm. obviously there's the big scene at the top of the second part where Timothy Dalton's sort of 
evaporates one of his council and then yells, I will not die, mm. which is exactly mm. what David Tennant's sort of railing against. But with David Tennant, uh, sorry, I should, with the 10th Doctor, um, he's <laughs> approaching death through this kind of fatalistic, it, it was always destined to happen kind of way. Um, mm. which makes those final moments just that much more heart-wrenching. But I suppose we'll get to the actual process of yeah. regeneration further down the episode. Um, D- Timothy mm-hmm. Dalton is great, and I love the way the Time Lords look. Uh, I love the big Senate Senate building reveal, which is basically <laughs> just Star Wars, yeah. but... Um, it is. Um, but I love it. And, and uh, yeah, as a kid, I, fuck, I think that was probably the first, like whoa moment because the time lords had been bigged Mm. up for such a long time yeah and they have this kind of they have this might about them in this episode that i don't think the modern era has ever fully captured again personally um yeah look that that's fair um i'm not saying that that's you know obviously they do come back and and those episodes that they come back in are are doing different things and that's cool too mm, um yeah yeah yeah. but the the might and the sort of majesty and the like the powerful god like uh interpretation of them Mm -hmm. is back you know in in a way that the time lords are as a whole often depicted as quite frail and you know uh flawed and they're flawed here but they're flawed but their flaws are actually going to wreck mighty like power and, and destruction on the universe. And mm. that's, that's kind of mm. amazing to think about. It is. Um, it's just not the focus. No. You know, like it, it, it's such a massive characterization turn to throw in as a, like a background noise. Um, mm. Mm. Um, it, it's, and, and, and look, that's, that's, you know, the, this episode, these episodes are, they're just, you know, some people said they're too big to stay on the tracks. They were right. <laughs> like, um, it's, it's too much. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a shame because individually, a lot of these elements are quite interesting and some of them still get time to shine, like the, the wolf stuff, obviously. Um, but then, you know, the flip side of that is that <clears throat> the time lords are a bit kind of, a bit backgroundy. The master is kind of hand waved away by the end and, and Donna is just, utterly lost mm. um but yeah it's i do like what you're saying about the the majesty of them and the the kind of um the the fear that they could instill like i i like the time lords most when they are outright villainous mm. um i i think that all of that power and all of that knowledge consolidated into a race probably would lead to exactly the kind of people that we see here where it's like a violent rejection of death to the point of endangering others to do so. Um, yeah, mm. it's just, that's, that's about all you can say about them in this, in these episodes, because that's, that's about all there is. That, and obviously the way that they're tied to the master, because they've had a big influence on this character as this episode reveals. They've mm-hmm. implanted the drums, the never-ending drum beat in the master's head, which has, you know, <laughs> made him insane. Mm. Um, the yes, master, yes. the master, <laughs> the master. Look, uh, I liked John Sims' performance in this. I actually, I, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately I do think that his kind of weird brotherly repartee with David Tennant is very compelling. And some of the stuff on the wasteland scenes was actually like, wow, like that again, like, we are talking about a story about like, you know, gods essentially descending on earth and making it their final battleground, mm. um, which is stuff I always, you know, fucking love. Um, but 
uh, yeah, fuck. John Sim does just, he just has, he, sometimes he overdoes it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's a lot. Um, and I mean, granted his master is written as a lot. Um, and that's something that you and I've struggled with o- over this time. Um, but you're right. I do like him quite a bit here. I think the, uh, I mean like the, I, yeah, you know, I don't love the lightning hands. I, I, could, I could, I could do without those. Um, but the, the idea of like the, you know, excess energy, super fast metabolism stuff is, it's very RTD wibbly wobbly writing. Um, but I think it leads to a fascinating, uh, performance, <clears throat> a fascinating characterization. And, you know, like when I watch him in the, that scene where he's like, you know, um, mm, greasy fat sausages, mm, I love chips and fucking, <laughs> you know, whatever he's, you know, he's going on about. Um, I, I kind of look at that and I'm like, what's the commentary here? What are you saying, Russell? What, like, I, I kind of keep looking at it as like, what is, what is this meant to mean? And I, I do wonder if maybe he just meant it as like, oh, he's kooky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. I, I, confess i don't know what he means either <laughs> um yeah I, there's a lot of that yeah, in this. it's just because it's such a specific choice you know um and so yeah I, I just wonder why it's in there um but do you remember that it's entertaining do you remember that bit where lucy was in the <laughs> sorry I'm... who's lucy his wife oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm just remembering the... Um, well, listen up, Harry. I've got friends oh, too. God. And they made me a potion. I was never very good <laughs> at science, but they said <laughs> if the po- if the book spoke of the potion of life, then there could be a potion of death. Oh. My daddy made me a magical book. <laughs> this this whole resurrection stuff, like, look, I'm, I'm thankful it happens at the top of the episode because it's probably my least favourite part of this yeah. whole story which is just like how do we bring and it's them so tonally inconsistent with the rest totally. of it as well because it's just how do we bring the master back oh um a cabal of evil women <laughs> <laughs> evil prison guard lesbians bring the master back <laughs> oh it's God. just sorry yeah. I mean, I, look it's just it, it's absurd it's truly absurd um yeah so you know and also you the fact that you went lucy who just you know who? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I remember when I rewatched this, I was like, oh shit, she's back. That's kind of exciting because I think that I didn't love how her characterization ended up in the initial two-parter. Um, and it, it's just a shame that it's like, no, she's secretly good. And it's like, eh, whatever. Like, I, I stand by that it would have been much more interesting if Lucy Saxon entered into that relationship knowingly and continued to accept the evil as opposed to turning into like, oh my God, he's actually insane. And I guess I'm being abused now. Mm. It, it was uh, it, messy. Yeah, well, they've just papered over that character as like, with, like, you know, yeah. oh, let's give her a face. And it's like a circle with two dots and a smiley face. <laughs> And then it's a frowny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that that character is. Yeah, it's a shame. And like, I love her performance, actually. I, I do want to say, I, I think she is hamming it up in the best way possible. Mm. Like, if you were filming that scene, that is the exact performance that you would turn in. Um, like, I, I think she knew what that script was. It's just a shame that it doesn't fit with the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, speaking of things that don't quite fit... Um, did you guess who the voice of the Master Ood was? 
I did. I did. I, any time that we can do a little bit of Brian Cox appreciation on the show, um, I'm going to take it. Uh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> you're lost. <laughs> but you did the super majority. <laughs> hey, are you queer? Um, look, Brian Cox is everyone's worst dad. And, uh, uh, obviously we're talking about succession here. That's his, that's his fame. That's where we love him from. But I was so surprised and shocked to watch this episode and see his name in the credits. Cause I was like, this is an actor of such repute. What the fuck is he doing? Voicing a squid alien (laughs) and all power to him. Honestly. Um, yeah. I think he does a great job. Like, I I don't dislike the use of the Ood in this uh, two-parter. I I think it's... uh, Look, I think it's weird how much RTD was like, they're the emotional core of David Tennant's arc. (laughs) Um, Because it's like, uh, okay, sure. But if you were going to bring back an actual original creation from this era, it's either the Ood or the Slovene. (laughs) So, you know. And they've definitely bigged the Ood up as sort of the, the... the defining original creation from this era. That's not like, you know, the master or Daleks or Zybermen or true. true. Could you imagine I'm shaking my booty to your end song? Oh my God. Oh my God. God. (laughs) I want it. I want it so much. Oh, fuck me. Um, um, yes, 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 yes. Look, it, yeah, I, I do like the way the Ood are used, even though their whole scene is basically a big info dump to get you up to speed with um, this episode. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, the Doctor mentions that he married uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, at the top of the episode, which he actually does in the 50th anniversary. That's crazy. See, Moffat was paying attention. Anyway, um... Is there anything more we want to say about the master before we um, sort of jump to other areas? Um, no, not necessarily. Like, he's fine. He's good. You know, he's enjoyable. Um, he obviously, I think, you know, John Sim obviously had a lot of fun when he got to, like, be everybody in the world. That was, that was kind of cute. Um, I think that his sacrifice at the end is, it's fine. It's it's just kind of again it's just kind of hand waved away because there's there's so much else this episode is trying to do by the ending. Um, mm. I, I do specifically want to shout out, and I, I think I texted you this at the time because I loved it so much. As it's just a really entertaining moment. Um, you know, the the Doctor uh, because of circumstances has a gun pulled on the Master, um, and he's like, you know, get out of the is it get out of the way? Yeah, I think that's what he says. Yeah, and so Master jumps out of the way, the Doctor shoots the machine and, and causes it to shut down and whatnot. And then when Rassilon is about to kill the Doctor and drag him back through the portal with them, uh, you see the Master like rise up out of frame and he's like, get out of the way to, to the Doctor and the Doctor moves and then the Master does his lightning blast <laughs> and whatnot. And it was just like a nice little like boys being boys moment um, and it was good to see them as as mates uh, right before the end at least. So, um and I, yeah, I just, I really appreciate that moment. Um, everything else is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, uh, I, th- I think a lot of people rightly criticize that the resolution to the episode, the resolution of the episode is, is another good, um, for context, the time Lords plan at the end of the time war was that they would basically erase all of time and reality and kind of like what Davros was doing in the last finale. But anyway, um, 
and that mm-hmm. the Time Lords would ascend to become creatures of pure consciousness. Um, so they're evil. And David Tennant has a gun and he's like, I'm going to kill you, Rassilon. And then Rassilon's like, why don't you kill your best friend? And so he's like, okay, I'm going to kill you, best friend. And then he's like, no, kill him. And it just goes back and forth. And then eventually the Doctor just shoots a thing and the Time Lords go back to where they came from. Look, Mm. this is an episode that is like big. It's making big like narrative jumps. And so it's not out of character for them to do this, but it is just a bit, 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 bit boring. It's just, is is just a bit naff. Um, They're just normal men. It's, which is an innocent ending of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, look, it, it's, yeah, it's fine. Uh, you did gloss over something there that um, I, on the, on the topic of the Time Lords sort of suffering by not actually being, getting to be the, the villain of, of this two-parter, their plan to transcend time and physical beings and become purely consciousness is such a cool concept that this episode just casually tosses around and then moves on from. Yeah. Uh, I think that this, I, but that's the thing. Like, remember when that was Davros's plan in, in the, the last two-parter they did? Like, these are just, this is just like mm. a bomb. It's, it's a, it's a deus ex machina. I, su- I don't know if yeah. I'm using that in this context correctly, but like, it's just a way to be like, we're evil and we're going to destroy everything. Like... And mm. I don't think that they yeah. really properly think through, okay, well, if your plan was to destroy all of creation, what would that be like? And what kind of person would do that? And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the master does need stopping as well in this episode because his plan is equally nuts, <laughs> which is <laughs> to, he uses the immortality gate mentioned in the plot synopsis to literally change all of humanity's DNA so that they all look and are connected to his brain. Look like him and connected to his brain, basically. (laughs) I I really struggle to say that. Um, (laughs) I actually don't hate the idea, though. Yeah, the the master race, (laughs) quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, Is, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't hate it in, in, in concept. I just think that it requires a much better script than this one to pull it off. Um, and look, you know, I do think that, um, Russell's particular blend of humor and dark politics actually could make that a really interesting Mm two-parter. Um, again, it's just because this two-parter is trying to do so much else that, um, it, it just comes away as like, it's a cute distraction ending to part one. And then it's just, doesn't matter. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, oh, how do we end this episode? What's the big threat this time? Um, ooh, uh, uh. um the master mm-hmm. is everyone. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah, cool. Sure. Why, why not? not? <laughs> but, um, there is only one person in all of humanity that isn't affected by this plan, which is Catherine Tate's Donna Noble. Mm. Why isn't she affected? Because she's a part time lord, but she doesn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, Donna's back. Um, hmm. I think this episode tries 
to grapple with the sadness of what was actually done to Donna. Um, but again, instead of it being about Donna, it's about Wilf. Um, yeah. And that is just an amplification of what we consider to be the initial problem with Donna's ending is that it is the men in her life it's their suffering as opposed to her loss that the show is ultimately asking you to feel something for. Mm. Um, and don't love it. Didn't, didn't love it then really don't love it now. Um, especially because, you know, you've got everyone on the planet except for Wilf and the doctor have been turned into the master. And then you find out Donna wasn't. And so you start up part two by being like, holy shit, Donna. And she starts remembering as is sort of where we end off with the cliffhanger. Mm. Um, And then how do they solve that? Oh, she has a brain explosion (laughs) that knocks out everybody in the street, including herself. And the doctor's like, oh, I wouldn't leave my best friend without a brain bomb to defend her. What are you talking about? And then she's just gone from the script. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's heartbreaking because, and I've said this before, but like, I would like... Donna to have been the companion for this final story. I think with what it's trying to do with um, this doctor and the conversations it's happening, happening. Uh, Wilf is good. I, I enjoy his performance quite a bit. I enjoy the character writing around him a lot. Um, but I think that ultimately this could have been a Donna redemption as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of a, a better ending to her story. Um, and instead it just completely wastes her. Um, and that is a, a really sour note to go out on it's, then. And now obviously next year, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Because we're talking about this in the full knowledge that she's coming back and, and likely will, I assume gain her memories back in this new episode, but she must, oh, I don't know how they could not, unless it's another you know, I actually don't want to speculate. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 you, you raise a very interesting point, which is that the doctor says, do you think I'd leave my best friend without a defense mechanism? That mm. is such a lazy device, A. But also, B, yeah. what he actually does is leave her unconscious in a back alley. And I don't know how that's <laughs> exactly helping your friend. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it, 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 it's, it, it is yeah. obviously a way to write her out from that story completely so they don't have to keep getting around the she can't remember stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's really boring because <laughs> like it is. I like Wilf and we'll talk a little bit about him, but he's not Donna and he's not like no. that's who we want to see in this episode. And the only good thing that mm. Donna's presence in, in this episode generates is the scene in the cafe, probably. Mm, yes, yes. I do quite like that scene. Um, in that scene, uh, sort of Wilf brings the doctor to this cafe and the doctor's like, why have you walked me to this shitty cafe? And it turns out that Donna is across the street and, he, you know, Wilf mm-hmm. says, you know, just go over there and, and talk to her, you know, and fix her. You can do that. And the look in David Tennant's mm. eyes is like, like, please don't do this to me. Yeah. Um, and as much as we criticize the ending of that, of her original story for focusing on the doctor's, like, pain over hers, he is ultimately the main character at this point, And uh, it's palpable in his face, like, that he, the pain he sort of feels at what he's done uh, or felt like he had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say, really, about that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, she's she's not really in the episode. Um, and, and so it is just kind of a... Um, just like a little addendum to our 
lengthy season-long discussion about Donna's arc. Mm. So you, you you folks know how we feel about that. Um, it doesn't really change here. Um, now we just hope it, it changes in the future. Um, yeah. Wilf. Old, old mate Wilf. Wilf, well, he's happy to be a spaceman. He's gone to space. <laughs> um, I... I've always been fine on Wilf. Mm. Like, warm, but never, like, blazing hot on the character. Yeah. Um, I I love the performance. I, I, I genuinely do think it's it's an outstanding bit of acting. Um, but, you know, he... I think you captured it perfectly before. Like he's great, but he's not Donna. Um, yeah. And I think that Wilf as a character works best when he is supplementing Donna's character work. Um, and so to bring him in here and have him supplement... Uh, the doctor directly is it's it's again obviously not the choice i would make but i think it does work quite well um i think the contrast between uh both of these men being quite old uh being war veterans in their own specific ways the sense of wonder they have at the galaxy paired with the very realistic understanding they have of human nature and and what can ultimately go wrong and blah 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 um i i enjoy it i i I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> when it was announced that Wilf was going to be the companion, I remember in 2009 or whenever uh, of this episode, I remember thinking like, yep, that makes sense. But never like, oh, mm. Wilf's back. Because Wilf is not. Yeah. Wilf is, is the Jackie. Wilf is the the, <laughs> the Martha's mum yeah. whose name escapes me. Um, they're not the character you tune mm-hmm. into. They're the character that, that define the the companion. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they've moved Wilf in this episode beyond that role either. He's still there yeah. in relation to Donna. Um, and so, and you know, Donna's definitely not there in relation to Wilf. That That's a really uh, fluffy kind of nonsense thing to say, I suppose. But um, you know, there isn't any, we don't learn anything new about Wilf in this episode. Um hmm. And, and the, the, although we do get that lovely scene at the end where, well, it's Donna's wedding. Mm. And yes, uh, we should probably leave that for the actual ending. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's an epilogue for this episode. Um, and there's, there's a bit of stuff with obviously with the doctor that we haven't really touched oh, on yet. Tenet, um, Tenet. David Tennant. Um, yeah, look, we've struggled. We've loved him. We've disliked him. We've loved the writing. We haven't loved the writing. It's been a lot of back and forth, but ultimately this is his, his finest moment. Um, mm. it's, it's an exceptional performance. Like I am st- still blown away to this day. It, it is as emotionally effective now as it was, you know, 15 odd years ago. Um, I think the characterization of the doctor in this episode is finally fully correct. <laughs> um, I think Russell maybe in, in this final hour sort of sees the man that he has written and then writes him as that man. Mm. Um, and I think because of that, you get a, a very effective um, doctor story, even if it is, you know, you know, I often talk about hell bent as, one of the natural sort of end points for the doctor um, where it's like, this is what could happen to this particular human, human being, this particular person uh, with all their life experiences. If they chose to go down 
the quote-unquote wrong path, let's say. Um, and I think that what you get at the end here with David Tennant's Doctor is a, a similar thing to that, where like this is the worst impulses given magnification and and endorsement almost by his own behavior. Like he he gives in to running away and keep you know the need to survive um and that manifests as a very arrogant individual um and it's just really good when he's forced to finally face that mm. Mm. i mean we argued in the last episode that maybe it was too little too late and i i i wonder mm-hmm. if it's the same here as well yeah i i think that like i said with the last episode i think if you if you take it in a vacuum um this it's it's great um and then if you give it a broader uh consideration you you start to get a little bit wobbly um that's yeah it's it's true for both of these uh episodes but if you put the two of them together <laughs> you yeah. got magic it's all right um yeah. i i i look i think my feelings on david tennant haven't actually changed a whole lot since the very first episode we talked about which was the christmas invasion He's a fine doctor, mm. um, and he gives it, he gives it one hundred and ten percent. It cannot be denied in this episode, and and he's yeah. you know firing on all cylinders, and and really gets to show off a range of what he can do as an actor, and in this role in particular. Um, but mm. he'll, I think, just because of the writing of this era, he'll always be a, a very uninteresting doctor at his heart, um, and mm. I, I, I. And maybe I'm saying that because I'm, you know, I can literally see over the fence into the era we're about to go into. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, like uh, I think David Tennant is eminently watchable, but Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't stay with you. Um. Yeah, I think his performance stays with you. I don't think the characterization does. <laughs> yeah, um, that's also fair. Like wh- when I think when I think about David Tennant as the Doctor, I think about David Tennant as the Doctor. Whereas when I think about Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi as the Doctor, I think about the men that they were as the Doctor yeah. because they are consistent portrayals that explore a particular facet of of who that character is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a similar way. But in a kind of twisted version, I I think of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. I don't think of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, um, and it's because again, it's that inconsistent writing, um, yeah. and they're, they're they're interesting bookends, you know, to to Moffat's uh, take on on the character. Because I think you know Moffat obviously comes alive with character work, um, and so it makes sense that the main character is super well written. Mm. Um, but here we get. You know, half of an interesting character study and half pop icon. Um, And those two don't meld particularly well, but David Tennant's performance almost bridges the gap. That's a really good... Actually, it's a really good way to think about it. Like, David Tennant is is less a performer and he's less a a character than he is, like, a a cultural icon at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Pop icon. (laughs) That's very true. Um... I mean, they did pair him with the Queen of Pop, so. I mean, because we want to. Because we want to. I meant to. Kylie Minogue, but also, yes, that's true. <laughs> also, Billy Piper, <laughs> the Queen of Pop. I don't know if she's the... She's a she's Pop adjacent now. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, um, what was I saying? Uh, yes. <clears throat> 
I just think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and we won't go into too much detail about it, but, um, when it comes to Matt Smith, when it comes to Peter Capaldi in particular, like they have Mm. arcs, they have purposes and they have, you know, there's narrative drive with their stories and it's not, and arguably that's to not the, you know, the, the essence of Doctor Who, which is weekly episodic, um, you know, adventure Mm. fantasy, but I prefer that to, I prefer that ultimately. Yeah. That's my bias. You know, shoot me. Um, we get to the end of the David Tennant era and, you know, he... You're a Moffat I'm fan. I'm a Moffat fan. I know. <laughs> Who fucking saw that coming? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Remember when I loved Rose? Uh, I do. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. I still do, though. Like, let's be honest. Oh, look. I mean, who doesn't? It's Rose. She's, she's a pop icon. She's a pop icon. <laughs> Um, but look, you know, I, I think a lot of people get hung up on the, I don't want to go line right before the regeneration. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great moment. Um, but his best performance in this two-parter comes when Wilf knocks on the glass four times and the range of emotions that David Tennant puts the doctor through in that moment is, oh, it's, it's chef kiss. It's perfect. It's untouchable. Um, I, I got goosebumps when I watched it again. It really hit me. Can we talk about this moment, right? Because like, this is, this is a moment. The doctor is essentially saying in this scene that, you know, you don't, something that he's, Mm -hmm. we've seen in the previous episode, but he's basically saying you don't deserve to live if it means I die. Yeah. That's some fucked up psychology there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's mm-hmm. ultimately very, very, very true with this character and something that they have to work very hard to sort of um, hide. Um, mm. It's, 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 it's shocking. It's amazing. It is. Yeah. Like you say, like the David Tennant's like going from sheer joy to like dread and knowing that this is his number is up in that moment is so mm-hmm. good. Um, again, I question the wisdom of the rant, but maybe it, 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 it's, maybe it is earned. I think there's just, there's a lot of things mm. in this episode that, you know, again, come too little too late when it comes to the doctor. And, and I would have liked mm. to have seen stretch out over a longer period of time to sort of make this moment that much more harrowing. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, it's a lot of things. It is a lot of things, but you know, ultimately, what we do get is David Tennant gets in that booth. He he takes the five thousand rads into himself, and he he dies, but not mm-hmm. before he makes some a few trips to some friends. Yes, not before Russell T Davies's heteronormative <laughs> happy ending, happy hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> So just to go through them chronologically, the first one is Martha and Mickey are now together, which is fun. It is fun, <laughs> isn't it, to see Martha go from a doctor in training to a military wife. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, and also, you know, married to, well... Mickey. Mickey. Uh, everything yes. about Noel Clark aside and... <laughs> fuck that guy but i really like mm. say hate it just i i don't i question the wisdom of putting the two 
sidelined black characters in a relationship together to mm-hmm. sort of say, well, they both get their goodbye and we'll, we'll do a, a double hitter. We'll get them out of the way at yes. the top of this. Agreed. It's weird. Agreed. Martha should have gotten a scene on I her don't own. particularly like it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I no, I, I completely agree. Um, I, with everything you said, I completely agree. Um, it's just it's the little cherry on top of. You really didn't know what to do with Martha, did you? <laughs> yep, yep. They just they backed her into a military corner and were like, okay, well, maybe she shoots herself in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ! You can edit that out. Um, thank I will. you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they 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 uh, have ended up in this in uh, together in this. Um, vision of the future the doctor visits them in we next see i think it's captain jack mm-hmm. and he's the doctor's uh helping him to pick up which is <laughs> interesting yes i thought alonzo died no alonzo lived oh he lived huh. well there you go <laughs> oh he lived that actor's really, really stupidly hot as well. He is hot, but, like, there's no rhyme or reason for him to be hot. <laughs> oh, no, I completely agree. He looks like a caveman. Um, He's so but, hot. like, in a good way? Oh, my God. I think it's that, like, <laughs> yeah. dumb Twinkie face. I, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. We, um, and I mean, like, he, he's gorgeous in years and years he as well. Is. Also, I want you to edit out dumb Twinkie face because I feel like that's not the progressive... <laughs> Twink is a slur. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm going to hell. Um, I'm, yeah. So, we get Captain Jack and, obviously, fuck that guy, too, um, in this sort of, like, cantina scene. Um where mm. I also love that they've got the song from the Dalek Manhattan episode playing in the background for just like, stick a song, stick a nice oh, song in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Stick a non copyright song in there. <laughs> the only one that isn't a, a sort of a strictly companion uh, in this run uh, of the uh, little epilogues, but um, we meet Verity. What's her character's name? Verity. Oh, I don't fucking know. Verity, Verity <laughs> Newman, uh, which is the descendant of Joan Redfern from the Human Nature Family of Blood uh, two-parter. And uh, I think this is a nice little scene, ultimately. She's written about her family's history. And then, you know, the doctor comes up with the book that she's written and, you know, asks if her grandmother was happy. And she says, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Her grandmother being the woman from the Family of Blood 2 part of, by that, the way, in case you were wondering at home. Well, I, I said that, didn't I? I, don't, I? Yeah, I mean, you might have. I was looking at another tab, um, but I don't think you did. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. It, it, you're like, Verity Newman, as if, like, that would inform people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, interestingly, Verity Newman is based on the Doctor Who creator, Sidney Newman, and the show's first producer, Verity Lambert, which is its own little bit of fan wank. But I digress. Um, it's a nice little scene. Cute. It's a scene, you know, I think, obviously, like I said, she's the only companion, non-companion who gets a, like, a goodbye in a weird sort of way. Um, and mm. obviously speaks to their, the Russell's, like, sort of perception of that character and, the, and their importance in this era. So, yeah, it's really cool to see. We next get Sarah Jane. Really mm-hmm. sad talking about her. Yeah, it's 
Yeah. She never gets the recognition she deserves. Um, Not that, more so just that she's, you know, obviously it passed on after this episode. So this is the last time we see her in the show. Um, Well, that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, So, yeah. So we get Sarah Jane and, and the doctor saves her kid from being run over. Fun fact. Um, the Russell wrote this scene because, uh, all the kid actors on Sarah Jane adventures would never look, uh, look both ways before they crossed the street. <laughs> Cause it was a close set. So they didn't have to. And so he was like, I'm going to write a scene where one of the kids almost gets flattened by a car. <laughs> what a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's an old bitch and I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, and then obviously we then get into the, the, Donna Noble um, wedding scene, which I alluded to earlier. Yes. She she ends up marrying the love of her life. Um, we get the, the iconic Wilf uh, salute. Um, we also get a really nice... Her mum is there. Yeah. Her mum <laughs> is there, who we haven't really talked about much in this episode, but that's... No, there's nothing to talk exactly. about. It's, yeah. um, we get a nice little scene. So... Uh, another fun fact, um, not really fun this one, but, um, the actor who played Donna's dad in The Runaway Bride was supposed to come back in the Wilf role, um, as in the, the, the sort of position that Wilf then comes to fill in series four. Um, but the actor who played him unfortunately died after production of Partners in Crime, so they couldn't continue the character. Um... So in this scene, the doctor gives um, Donna's mum a, a a lottery ticket and says that it was bought by Jeff, which is the name of the character that plays Donna's dad. And it's just a mm. nice little like allusion to the fact that in this universe as well, Donna's dad has passed away between stories and um, a nice way to sort of salute that actor off. Mm-hmm. Um that is it nice. is nice. And uh, yeah, I, I get a little teary every time I watch that scene. Uh, I get a little teary, like, let's be honest, yeah. like this whole run up to the end. It, this is where it really clicks together for me personally. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Mm. Um, the, um, the, the, the next scene got yeah. me in a way I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, before we get to that, obviously... Um, Donna ends her time on the show not remembering who she once was, but she apparently is going to get really rich, so at least she'll be taken care of. Uh, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, it's yeah, it's it's a fine and uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. It it's it's impossible to talk about um any one specific Donna scene now that we've sort of encapsulated our full Donna mm. feelings. Um, it's a nice send off between him and Wolf, mm. uh, but that could be said about this entire episode. Mm. So, because yeah, you're absolutely right. Because the real, <laughs> the real one we've all been waiting for is the next one, which is. Do you want to talk yeah. about it? It's. Yeah, look, it, it. I mean, he goes back to the Powell state. You know, we we get Billy Piper in a really terrible long blonde wig, and her and her mum have a little moment. It's uh, what New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve? I think it's New Year's. New Year's. It's like New Year's Day at that point. Yeah. So after midnight. 
Yeah, after midnight. Yeah, um, and he's just watching her from the shadows, and then because he's regenerating, he he has a bit of a stumble, and you know she she has she just has a really nice moment with him, and he's like, I think you're gonna have a really great year, and she like she does her iconic Billy Piper big you know toothy smile, and you just your heart overflows because it's it's such a beautiful little send off to RTD's era. It's it's so nice, isn't it? It's so nice, and mm-hmm. it's like I I have no critical notes. It's just nice. It's <laughs> nice seeing Rose back in a weird way before everything, like before she became. Mm. That's not yes. actually what I mean. I guess I mean it, it's it's a way to sort of reintroduce that character without having to address all the stuff that they burdened with her towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, and she's just, uh, you just feel that sweep, that romance from that first series. Just, it takes you up in this big wave of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a, it, it, in many ways, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an even better final line than the actual one we do get, which is, you know, I reckon you're going to have a really great year. It, oh, mm. mm-hmm. uh, Agreed. It's it's it would have been a much classier out, <laughs> um, maybe not true to the character, but still it's it, it's very nice. And we get Jackie. We do. <laughs> it's oh, it's always good to see Jackie. <laughs> and Jackie's and also you know what I also liked and I was when I was watching it. This isn't a scene of them bickering. Mm. This is a scene of Rose saying, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, someone will love you, mum. And she's like, yeah, happy new year, happy new year. And they embrace. And it's like, obvious that they, it's so obvious they love each other. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's so not what this show has done with mothers through its entire era. Yes. Ag- agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah. But I love it all the more. Not for that, but I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it. The You know, the doctor goes to the TARDIS. The Ood sing him to his sleep, I think is the line or something. Um, mm-hmm. And he goes into the TARDIS and he sets a course for somewhere and says, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So they did. And then he explodes. And then he explodes. <laughs> they did three different versions of that line, I think, where um, the first one was like quite understated. The second one was the one we saw on screen. And then the third one was more like a breaking down. I don't want to go kind of thing um okay they chose the right one i think i think so too i think so too it's the right it's ultimately it's the like "Mm, this one's just right um yeah of the three um and then we get matt smith oh my god we're talking about matt smith yeah (gasps) fuck i know Matt, matt smith is here it's um stephen moffat's first official scene as as showrunner and you know Geronimo (laughs) like uh we're we're off to the races um it's it's surreal to be coming to the end of this Mm. RTD journey because you know it's where our podcast started because fucking of course but like (laughs) you know we've been doing this for two years now like it's been it's been a long time Mm. you know we've been talking about this era of the show for a long time and to get to the end of it just as they announce that he's coming back is it's surreal it's a very bizarre feeling isn't it just like it couldn't be you couldn't you couldn't couldn't time it more perfectly um no i know and yeah like obviously it means that when we are now talking as we're going to about the summation of this era it's with the knowledge that there's going to be a little like 
appendices to it. Um, yeah. And almost to the point Agreed. where you kind of think like, actually, maybe we shouldn't wrap it up yet. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, because I was just thinking about this because listener, like we're both keenly aware of how long we've been talking tonight. <laughs> um, it, there's been a lot to discuss, but like the idea that we could ever cleanly wrap up our feelings about RTD's run, well, first run in you know 20 minutes is is just not going to happen. You know, we, we like I just said, we've been talking about this man's work for two years now. Um, that there, there is so much in our backlog of complicated, good and bad feelings about him that. You know, and you've been on this journey with us. Like, thank you so much. Mm. At, but you know where we're at. You know, it's a complicated love disappointment, you know, kind of dynamic that, that we've got with him as showrunner. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think it's a deeply fascinating run of, of television. Um, but I'm equally glad that we get to enter into Moffat now, who is just a, just a whole different ballgame. <laughs> it totally is. It's, a to- it's, it, it's chalk and cheese. And also... Yeah. <clears throat> Exceptionally exciting because like, you know, Russell had a tried and true formula, um, 13 episodes strict, you know, this isn't a historical, this is a future. This is a two-parter with an alien invasion. Like there was, there's a Christmas special. There was like the sign of reliability <laughs> around that era that was, you know, safe and warm and comforting, exactly what you want. And then Moffat comes in and he's like, <laughs> we're going to fucking destroy any sense of comfort <laughs> comfort you have um yeah and like it or love it that's that's pretty cool and that's pretty exciting um mm-hmm. but we're not talking about Moffat obviously we are talking about Russell um and the it's creeping in though <laughs> <laughs> like uh I, I recently watched um the beast below for the first time in my life I know. by the way like i skipped it when i did my rewatch i never watched it when it was initially on television why you skipped this it? was a completely new exp- i don't know either i can't figure it out but oh my god i'm so excited to talk about that episode <laughs> it's so fucking cool anyway um look okay Look, all right, let's get this one. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, the end of time, uh, part one and two. What are you giving it? Uh, separately or together? Uh, separately and together, I guess. Separately, I'd probably say it's a B plus and a A minus. Um, and then together, okay. probably an A minus, I'd say. I, 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 okay. I, I yeah. <laughs> like, maybe it doesn't deserve that score, but... It, hey, look... I've, you go with what I've you I've talked feel. myself into it, actually. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, I'm going B minus B plus or B plus B minus. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think on, on the whole, it's a B plus. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this two-parter. Um, I don't love it, but it's interesting mm. at least. And I would much rather always have an interesting mess than a clean boring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, RTD part one on the whole. What do you? I was really hoping you were going to do this because if you weren't, I was going to do it (laughs) too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) On the whole, I mean, fuck. How do you do it? Yep. How do you do it? Look. (laughs) Nostalgia aside, which is really hard to do, but nostalgia aside, Mm -hmm. I do think ultimately this era deserves an A plus. Okay. Now, 
you might be sitting there, okay, girl, <laughs> thinking he's gone crazy. He's gone wackadoo. But like, there are there are few people in the world, and obviously, a lot of my arguments going to bank on the first series that he did. But there are a few people in this world who can resurrect a piece of media that was taken as like dead. It was niche. It was for only mm-hmm. the dumbest of dumb fans, like sci-fi fans. It wasn't hard, like stuff like Star Wars. It wasn't optimistic. Yeah. It wasn't like um, like Star Trek. It was like stupid, like sets, dumb monsters, um, cheap as cheap. And nobody thought it was good. Maybe I'm overselling this a little mm-hmm. bit, but nobody thought it was good. He made that piece of crap into primetime television. <laughs> He made yeah. it into appointment watching. He completely turned it around. Um, obviously, with the goodwill of the BBC behind him to do so. Um, but, like, I just I just think about that. And I just think about how, like, it could have been so different. And that if Rose wasn't Rose, which I actually, oddly enough, like, watched bits of the other day to sort of get myself mm. into the frame of mind to think about this conversation. And, you know... That episode is 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 light, for sure. But it it just hits all the points it needs to hit, and does them all with like such skill. Um, mm-hmm. like it re it just reintroduces the whole era, to the whole sh- the show to a new era. But like also is saying it's a new show at the same time. Um, it it I can't. It's like you know watching Buffy for the first time or watching. Um, mm. The X Files, like these are cultural icons. Um, I, I'll stop talking mm-hmm. in a second. I, I, yeah, I just, I think, <laughs> I think that like this era is for the most part better than it is worse. And if I look at it as a whole, not as, obviously it's like you know a painting. The more you look at it, the less detail you see. Um, mm-hmm. But if if I look at it as a whole, it's it's. It's it's good, it's good, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's good, therefore it's an A plus. There we go. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Do you want to top that? <laughs> uh, no, look, my my heart wants to give it an A. Um, like, because like you said, the more you stare at it and you sort of lose some of those details and you just go for a holistic vibe approach, of course I love it, right? Like, how can you not? But. Mm. This has been two years of me really coming to terms with <laughs> what memories of things feel like and what things are actually like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think ultimately I think it hits as often as it misses. Um, I reckon like a B plus. You know, and actually if I, uh, that's probably what my real mark is too. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, look, we're, we're, th- these roles are going to be reversed when we get to the end of Moffat. And I'm just like, of course, it's an A quadruple plus. And you're like, it's a C, James. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I don't see you saying that because it's going to be perfect. But um, yeah, I get it. I, I get where you're coming from. I'm glad that you still feel as warmly about it as you do uh, at the end of this this grand experiment. Um, yeah, we did it. We did it. And we're going to do it again. Probably because, and folks, you at home did it too. Congrats! (laughs) 
you stuck with us through thick and thin, through all the times that I moved, through, uh, you know, uh, sporadic episode releases. That one time we did it. Half a dozen COVID scares. COVID scares. scares. <laughs> that one time we did Flux and nearly killed us. Um, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you've been there with us through it all. And, you know, we're so excited to, to keep doing it. You know, this sounds like we're wrapping things up. <laughs> uh well, you know, it's it's an end of an era in a way. Like th- this is a, a pretty significant milestone for us as as a podcast and and the show. It's a, it's a it's a milestone for the show. Um, and we are into we, we're just going to enter into a very different era next. Um, and, I, and that's that. It's I can't exciting. fucking wait. I can't fucking yeah. wait. So um, oh my god, Moffat, Moffat baby, please. give it to me. Anyway. Hunty, sweetie pie, <laughs> sugar pot. It's giving, it's giving. <laughs> I don't know what it's giving. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> Do the two wieners twist? <laughs> that is way yeah. too niche of a reference. Uh, we've been talking for too long, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, Callum. Look, yes, look, as we always do at the end of these episodes, hello, you can... Thank you for listening to us this week and every episode that we put out. If you'd like, please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this show as it helps us grow and makes us feel a rudely toot toot. Um, This has been a big episode and I hope that you have thoughts. If you do or any questions you want to ask us and you want to reach out, you can and have them read on the show. You can do so by emailing us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That is two, the word two. Or you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Hearts Pod. That's two, the number two. I've been Callum. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Theatricallum. And I've been James. Sorry, I was yawning. And you can find me on Twitter at OMG More James. Until next time, dear, dear listeners. I don't want to. I do want to go. Yeah, actually. I got to pee. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>